better get my ears on here. Good morning. Welcome to our service of worship. Another lovely sunny day, and the warmth of that sun is really nice this time of the year, so I hope you are warm today with God's love as we meet here. The announcements, uh, you are on a bulletin at the back there, if you've picked one up. Um, just to let you know that the gumdrop cakes that are, have been ordered will be ready for pickup next Sunday, and any others that are ordered in between, uh, next Sunday will be the start of the pickup. Um, food drive, this is the last Sunday of the food drive. Uh, we'll be taking the uh, <clears throat> food to the uh, Salvation Army on <clears throat> Tuesday morning. And so um, if you have some belated ones coming in, we can bring them uh, to the church here before then. Um, gifts with a vision is something the uh, United Church puts out uh, this time of the year. There are booklets at the back if you want to um, donate to one of those causes. And <clears throat> There's also the Mission and Service uh, newsletter uh, at the back as well. And I want to also bring to your attention the annual 21st annual banquet a fundraiser for the deck, which is uh, in two weeks' time, November 19. There are a number of these little posters at the back. You can pick one up. And um, the church has sponsored a table, and I have sponsored a table, so we have to fill two tables of eight. So um, make your call or do it online if you're tech-savvy enough for that, which I'm probably not. Um, or call Paul Newman. His, his phone number's here in, on the, the flyer. Um, we remember, too, uh, in our prayers, uh, Ron Calhoun, whose sister passed away a week or so ago, and Annabelle Holly's brother, Bob Miller, passed away this past week. His uh, obituary is in the post. I keep wanting to call it the Hanover Post, but that's not right anymore. So if there's any other, all the announcements are all there, and what's going on all this week is on the back of it. Um, so I think I've got that. As we begin to worship, we want to acknowledge that we meet on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek Nation, the people of three fires, known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomic <clears throat> Nations. We also give thanks to the Chippewas of Saugeen and the Chippewas of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, for being traditional keepers of this land. I want also to acknowledge that on this day of remembrance, the many Ojibwe, uh, the, the many um, nation people who uh, served in our army throughout all of the wars, and uh, who really did not receive very much acknowledgement, so I want to acknowledge them today. Later on, I will have a bit of a remembrance, because nothing in our service is about Remembrance Day, so I'm going to talk about my, this gentleman over here, George Ryle, and his story. So let us begin to worship. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. We come to worship God, who loves those who grieve, and releases the tears and laughter out of our hearts. Let us pray together. Blessed are we that we come together even if physically apart, united by your Holy Spirit, Holy One. Join our hearts and minds to center ourselves in your presence, pair our souls to hear your love for us, awake our hearts with the good news of your grace, nourish and sustain our bodies so we can follow Jesus' call to love you as we love others. Through Jesus Christ, amen. 
Our opening hymn, We Are Pilgrims. <clears throat> Verses United 6:24. Stacy is going to do the readings for us today, and Barb is not here. Good morning. Good morning. So our minute for mission today is called Banning Killer Robots. Killer robots sound like creepy sci-fi 
but they are real, and the World Council of Churches, a mission and service partner, is taking them seriously, so much so that in 2021, it released a campaign guide for churches on the topic in six different languages. The free guide introduces churches to killer robots or lethal autonomous weapon systems and help raise awareness of the need for Christians to advocate for a preemptive ban on the future development of such weapons. Calling the weapons a unique menace, the Right Reverend Dr. Christopher Coxworth, Bishop of Coventry, underscores the urgency to act in the guides forward. They, lethal autonomous weapon systems, are a futile and sinister attempt to sanitize war and contravene fundamental principles of international law. They simply make killing easier, he writes. Armed drones are nothing new, but unlike existing semi-autonomous weapons like drones, fully autonomous weapons have no human-operated kill switch and instead use artificial intelligence to make decisions over life and death. These machines can both select and attack targets, and they already exist. In an article published last May, Foreign Policy notes that Israel, Russia, South Korea, and Turkey have reportedly deployed weapons with autonomous capabilities, and Australia, Britain, China, and the United States are investing heavily in their development. Around the world, churches are joining the call to raise awareness about the risks posed by killer robots and urging their governments to take steps to ban such technology. Your generosity through mission and service supports the work of organizations like the World Council of Churches that are urging governments to put a preemptive ban on autonomous weapons, systems, and developing awareness tools like the Campaign Guide. James 3.18 reads, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. When we sow peace, we reap peace. Thank you for supporting worldwide peacemaking efforts through mission and service. And the scripture reading today is Psalm 1. The truly happy person doesn't follow wicked advice, doesn't stand on the road of sinners, and doesn't sit with the disrespectful. Instead of doing those things, these persons love the Lord's instruction and they recite God's instruction day and night. They are like a tree replanted by streams of water, which bears fruit at just the right time and whose leaves don't fade. Whatever they do succeeds. That's not true for the wicked. They are like dust that the wind blows away. And that's why the wicked will have no standing in the court of justice neither will sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord is intimately acquainted with the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is destroyed. I'm going to tell you the story of George Ryle now, before the the actual sermon. George came to Canada in um, 1911 with his mother and father, Joseph and Clara Ryle, and several siblings. When the uh, war broke out in uh, 1914, uh, being a good British citizen, he rushed to enlist, but was turned down. I think he had flat feet or something like that. Um, Anyway, he went out west because there weren't obviously many jobs here in Ontario, and he spent the next year or so um, on a ranch or ranches out west, uh, helping them with uh, seeding and harvesting. He came back, I think, around the end of uh, 1915 or thereabouts, and enlisted again. Well, after a year of trench warfare, there was a, quite a bit of attrition, so they accepted him at that point. And he went off to England to get uh, ready for going over to France. Um, while he was there, his youngest sister was born on April 6, 1916. When that sister turned the age of one in April of 1917, George was at the bottom of Bimmy Ridge with four divisions of Canadian soldiers 
and two divisions of British soldiers. They were backed up by 983 artillery pieces. Let me get my paper out here. And 150 machine guns waiting for another assault on Bimby Ridge. On April 9, at 5.30 a.m. in the morning, all those guns opened up <clears throat> and blasted away at Bimmy Ridge. And, uh, and they <clears throat> obviously, uh, and they did a creeping barrage, as they called it, all the way up the hill to keep the Germans uh, in, hidden in their trenches. Even then, one in 10 of the Canadian soldiers was a casualty. <clears throat> George wrote to his mother and father, quite religiously actually, and his sisters. This is his letter of April 15, six days after that. Just done a few lines to let you know that I am getting along all right, after charging up Vimy Ridge. He did work hard at keeping his parents away from uh, not knowing you know, the, the real horrors of that trench warfare. It was my first big battle the other day. I suppose you have read about it in the papers by now. It was something awful, the shells that our fellows sent over at the Germans. They just got out of their trenches and ran hard as they could. Um, I had to laugh at one of the bunch that we took prisoners. They were yelling, have mercy, and fell in, in form and moved out at the double to our lines. It took them one day to get to the top of Bimmy Ridge and a, a few more days to help the British get to their point. It was as if many battles in the wars, a futile one and a useless one because Bimmy Ridge really had no value at all strategically. And a few weeks later, they gave it back up to the Germans when they retaliated. As I said, George wrote many letters home and his parents have, have kept them all, and I have them here in a booklet that my daughter, my, my mother, um, well, first of all, I should tell you, <laughs> he was my mother's oldest brother. And uh, this is a copy of all his letters and, and much, other, much other things. In early December, this letter came addressed to Mrs. Joseph Ryle. Dear Madam, I regret to have to advise you I've noticed that has been received that the above mentioned Joseph uh, uh, George Ryle has been reported killed in action on December on November 27, 1917. And typical bureaucratic <laughs> speech here, his assignment to you has therefore been stopped effective from 31st of December, when the necessary particulars have been received from overseas regarding the personal effects, accumulated pay, etc., of this NCO, a full settlement of his estate will be made by the estate branch, Ministry and Defense Department. Not too much sympathy there or compassion. No. That's just one story of one man who gave his life fighting for our freedom and our democracy. Um, <laughs> My mother, uh, of course, never knew him because he never came back from the war. But even still, she kept uh, she has uh, she has the, his letters and 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 this uh, and his medals that he had. And there's also somewhere in my house a large medallion that is the mother's medallion that was given to uh, to the mother of those who were killed. So remember today those who have fallen and gave their life. We liked trees. This is a great little sermon for the naturalist group among us here. Hello, it's good to be back with you. The psalmist said, they are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season. <laughs> we love trees, don't we? I mean, they do so much for us and for all of creation. Trees provide shade. Many of them bear fruit. They oxygenate the atmosphere. 
we use their wood for fires, their lumber for shelter. They give protection from the wind. Their foliage and roots prevent erosion. They're beautiful in shape and virtually infinite in variety. Did you know there are more than 60,000 species of trees? Wow. Many, many years ago, my wife and I built our first home, our starter home, in a new neighborhood in West Calgary. It was an empty lot when we bought it. We, we picked out the, the home style that we wanted. We watched them construct it. And when everything was completed, the first thing we did is we planted trees. Yeah. They had beauty and value to the property. Do you love trees? I, I bet you do. The poet Joyce Kilmer so loved trees that she wrote that famous ode. You probably heard it. I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. A tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. We love trees. And the psalmist was someone who shared that love. He refers to them today in our scripture reading. When he says, they are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. But I ask, who is the they he refers to? Uh, what are these beautiful, fruitful trees with leaves that don't wither? Why, my friends, these are none other than the beloved people of God, you, and me, all of us together. Throughout scripture, the Bible often compares us to trees. It's, it's a rich metaphor describing our relationship with God, with ourselves, and with one another. Now, I don't believe the psalmist or any of the biblical writers were experts in botanical science. They didn't understand the complex chemistry and inner workings of trees. But they knew this, as important as all the various parts of a tree are, none are more important or essential to its life, its growth, its fruitfulness, than its roots. Yeah. And that tells us this, that the, that the life of a tree is not in what is seen, what is visible above the ground, but, but in what is hidden in secret, what is mysterious, buried in the dark places beneath, what is invisible. And so it is for us in our lives. What it anchors us, what feeds our soul, what sustains, what nourishes, what causes spiritual growth and fruitful living in each of us isn't what is seen by most, it's what is unseen. It depends on where we're rooted and how we're grounded in our lives. I want to ask you this question. Are you a radical Christian? <laughs> you say, what? There's nothing radical about me. Well, wait a minute. You know, the word radical is derived from the Latin word radix, which means root. <laughs> to be a radical person needs to be rooted. Strange how we twisted the understanding of that word to refer to people that are extreme or unconventional or disruptive. But the word refers to the opposite, to what is basic, what is foundational, what is essential. It gets to the root or heart of something. That's what being radical is. Are we radical Christians in that sense? Well, what, what does that mean? Well, let me say this. Let me pardon the pun, go out on a limb and say this. Being radical means obviously to be grounded and rooted in God. Our life is found hidden in God. God is the ground of our being, we say. The one in whom we live and move and have our being. To be rooted in God, it needs to be present to that presence always, all the time, throughout our lives, each moment of the day. God is expressed in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love how Paul puts it in some of his writings in Colossians. He says, let your roots grow down 
into him and draw up nourishment from him. So you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous. Or in Ephesians, I love this one. May your roots go down into the soil of God's marvelous love. Is that beautiful? My prayer for you and for each of us is that our roots go down into the soil of God's marvelous love, source of life. Being radical Christians, being rooted and grounded in the life of God and the love of God. But also, it means being rooted in community, connected to a particular sacred place and people. You see, the truth about a tree is that once its root punctures the soil, once that seed is committed to its place on the planet, and that is where it must derive everything it needs to survive and flourish. The Christian Corey Ten Booms once said, bloom where you're planted. <laughs> to bloom, you've got to be rooted somewhere. The challenge today, my friends, for us as Christians, the church, is that fewer people of faith are being planted somewhere, are putting spiritual roots down into churches and into congregational life. And consider the times in which we're living. None of us could see with any degree of certainty how it adversely affected congregational life will be when we emerge from our COVID isolation. And how many will be returning to the churches, to our congregational life? And yet we know it's vital that that happen. I retired from active Christian ministry six years ago. And because of our tradition in the United Church, we weren't allowed to have any contact with our previous congregation. That's where we were rooted. That's where we were grounded. That's where we drew life from our friendships and relationships. No more. It, it sent us on a two-year search to find a spiritual home. We looked and we looked, and finally we said to one another, maybe we're done with church. It was too painful and unsatisfying. But something deep with us kept us looking. We knew we were created for community, that it's, it's our nature to be connected. And finally, we found a small church in, a, in another mainline denomination we've put down our roots and we're blooming now where we're planted. How important to be rooted, to be radicalized in a positive way in healthy communities of faith. Right? Yeah. And that leads me to a final thing about being a radical Christian or believer. We must be rooted together in community. That means not just physically being gathered in one place, but we are to live life radically connected to each other, sharing our lives, sharing in the greater life of God as we find it together in community. Uh, three years ago, I saw a book on a bookshelf and the title intrigued me. It was called The Hidden Life of Trees. <laughs> I, I picked it up, I bought it. It's by a man named Peter Wolven, a German forester, ecologist, eco-environmentalist. Wonderful book. Fascinating. I blew my mind what goes on in a tree that we are totally unaware of. One of the questions he's often asked is, do trees communicate? And he said, yes. Well, how? How do they communicate? He says they continuously communicate with each other. Now, trees appear strongly independent and separate. But again, the life of what is going on is not in what is seen, but what is unseen. And his research revealed that, that even relatively ancient trees in a forest, those that should have long since expired, often remain green and alive because they're receiving their nutrients from, a, from the life of another source. What is that source? Why, it's neighboring trees through the root system. Yeah. The roots of trees in a forest don't simply pass by and wave at each other. They become intertwined and over time interconnected, drawing and sharing life, the life, the nutrients to keep one another alive. They're social. <laughs> if they were only on their own, he says, they would never reach old age, but they care for each other. The strong, 
supply nutrition for the weak. As long as they're huddled together, not too far apart, the water, the nutrients are optimally shared. Their well-being depends on the community, as does ours. They're like trees, says the psalmist. I want to close with this story. It's a beautiful story about happened about this time of year, many, many years ago in my former church. It's a, it tells of a healing hope and transformational power that is hidden, hidden in our connecting in community, the community of Christ, in your community of faith, and what we draw from each other. It's the story of Mark. <laughs> now, I didn't know anything about him when he first arrived on that Sunday morning alone. I thought, here's one of God's lost, wounded boys. Mark sat in the middle of the congregation, alone. People gave him a wide berth, believe me. Mark was scary. He was unwashed. Uh, he was unshaven. Uh, his hair was in long dreadlocks because he never cleaned it. I suspected there was mental illness involved. I learned later he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. Mark was angry. He would sit there and, and rant and mumble in a low-pitched, unintelligible, guttural tone through the service, speaking to those that we could not see. I would watch Mark every Sunday morning sitting there, and I would wonder, what's going on, Mark? What's happening inside of you, my friend? I always made the attempt to say hello. One morning, I saw something very curious happen. Two of our older members, both grandmas, dear friends to each other, sat there through the service, looking at Mark on and off, <laughs> paying attention to him. Their names are Anne and Anna. And I noticed Sunday by Sunday, <laughs> they would slowly move a little closer toward him. I'll get back to them in a second, but let me jump forward. Many, many months later, perhaps a year later, I got a phone call, a phone call from Mark's social worker. He introduced himself. He told me a little about Mark's history. And he said to me, I want to ask you the question, though, what in heaven's name have you done to Mark? And I thought to myself, what have we done to Mark? Oh, my goodness. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> what have we done? He said, well, he's not the same. He's better. I, I mean, he's sociable. We don't know what happened. What happened to him? I said, oh, I know. Anna and Anna happened to him. Our community happened to him. Let me pick up the story. Anna and Anna sitting there, moving closer Sunday by Sunday towards Mark. And then the Sunday came when I saw them. They were split up. Anne sat on one side of Mark. Anna sat on the other side. And they were close to him. Quietly, gently, silently, I knew they were loving him and praying for him. They made room for him. And hopefully in that, they were making room for Christ's love. Over time, others around saw what was happening and they began to move closer. And soon there was no gap around Mark at all. At first he was a little spooked. <laughs> But slowly, incrementally, he was enfolded with love and became part of the congregation. I could see his body loosening up. He became quieter. He had fewer outbursts and he began to respond verbally to Anna and Anna's expressions of care for him and interest in him. And they began to actually be able to understand what he was saying. And so did others. And he, he was relaxed. And, what was that? Did I see a smile one Sunday on his face? Yes. And he began to engage me and listen to what I was saying. Wow. Anne came up to me one Sunday. She's all excited. She said, you know, we saw Mark's uh, shoes he was wearing in the winter. They had holes in them. I said, Diana, let's go and buy him new shoes. So they took him over to the bay across the street from our church after the service. And she said, I bought him the right shoe and Anna bought him the left shoe. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
takes the community. Well, and then came the morning, Mark showed up. At least I thought it was him. It was kind of hard to tell, really. I mean, his hair was cut, neatly combed, his beard was trimmed, and he had a suit on. Folks, I thought immediately of the gospel story of Jesus healing of the Gerasene demoniac. Remember that guy who was running naked through the tubes, the whole town kept away? But when Jesus had passed and healed him, they came and found a man dressed and in his right mind. And I thought of Mark, dressed, proud and in his right mind. What did you do to Mark? The caseworker asked me. I said, we loved him. We made room for him in our community. We connected with him. He felt safe and he moved in. That's the way God's love works, folks. When we're rooted and grounded in that love. In making room for Mark, one of the least, we made room in our own hearts for the greater inflowing of Christ's love. And we allowed Mark in time to make room for that love. I think miracles are happening here too among you and your congregation. Every time you meet, every time we're together, why you say we're not together? Yes, we are. Even when we're socially distanced, like we are in this ongoing pandemic time. Yeah, we're connected by the Holy Spirit. Our spiritual life, the sap of the Spirit, flows between and among us, unifying us and strengthening us. So sisters and brothers, bloom where you're planted this day. Be radical, religious followers of Jesus Christ. They're like trees planted by waters, yielding their fruit its season. May it be so. From you, the greatest gift of all, came wrapped only in swaddling clothes. For you, we want to give our best. We share now what we can and ask you to bless our giving to transform the world. And the offering plate will be uh, passed around today. Him first? Oh, pardon me. <laughs> bless be the tide that binds, yes.
Bring the offering forward, please. Gracious God, bless these gifts, given today, given through power, and given at other times. Use them as you will for your work and your world. Amen. Okay, now we'll sing the hymn, Blessed Be the Tide That Binds. 602. Pray together. God who blesses all who are empty, who blesses all in need of filling, we come to you this day to be honest about how we are doing. We begin with our full places. We give thanks for those people who have filled our hearts with hope and faith. We give thanks for our community here. We give thanks for those who have gone on before to, to make this community what it is. And again today, we thank those who have given their lives in uh, support of our democracy and in our life here. We pray for guidance on how to nurture the relationships that we have here as we dig our roots deeper into this love of God. We ask you to be with us and with those who are struggling, struggling with loss of loved ones, struggling with illness and sickness. We ask you to be with the Widener family, David, Lisa, Americ, with Audrey as they go through this illness. We ask you to uh, bless them and, uh, and uh, support them. Help us to root down your love and care to receive and share our, the blessings of the healing grace. We ask all this in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who was born in the poorest of places with the richest of heart. We say each in his own language of our heart, the Lord's Prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our closing hymn, God Who Gives to Life Its Greatness, Voices United 260. Join together by your spirit, help us to share our blessings. Come in all our own by your hands. Help us to share our faith. Awaken to your grace. Help us to give others. We are blessed. We go to you to share your blessings. God's peace be with you. Amen.
Oh, 